Thank you for joining me, Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking, for another fun-filled episode of the super strange, the super unusual, the unheard of, and the creepy as hell. This week's episode will be about ghost children as well as children who see ghosts, in whatever order you prefer it. Now, I myself can speak from example. From a very early age, I've had paranormal encounters, experiences, encounters with possible spirits, residual occurrences. Your guess is as good as mine, but it's not something that happens on the daily or hour to hour. It just sort of comes and goes and flashes. I guess my third eye is still open. But it started for me mainly around the age of three and four, seeing the spirit of my recently deceased grandfather. And that went on till about the age of 13. Other than that, seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye, seeing full-bodied apparitions of what appear to be, say, a cat or a dog, a child, an adult female... And it's almost as if they notice me noticing them and then they decide to dissipate, dematerialize, and then they're gone in the blink of an eye. But those will be some of the stories I'm sharing with you today. Not specifically my personal encounters, but more so those that have been shared with me from listeners, friends, family, and uh, random people that I've met along the way at conventions and festivals and book signings. But that will be this week's episode all about children who see ghosts and the ghosts of children. I hope you enjoy this. I have a lot more in store for you. Please hold for an important message from one of our sponsors. And now we're back. So the question would be, my child is seeing ghosts. Is this normal? Some children report seeing ghosts chatting at night with dead relatives or can recount past lives. Is this normal childhood behavior? When Rosemary County, the original author of the book, about three, her mother took her to her friend Donna's farmhouse. As the grown-ups pipped tea in the kitchen, Rosemary played freely throughout the house. This was the 1980s until... Reporting back with some alarming news, a little girl was crying at the top of the stairs. Rosemary's mom dismissed it as just her imagination while Donna's face turned white. She just remembered what her daughter, long grown up and moved out, used to see and say as a child. A little girl crying at the top of the stairs. Three decades later, this um, fact-checkable story has gone the way of many campfire tales. It's mostly fun and only partly scary, though firm proof of this undeniable. Truth, children see things that most adults cannot. The phenomenon of kids seeing ghosts. If you don't feel like sleeping tonight, I suggest heading over to Reddit and falling down a terrifying rabbit hole. Jezebel collects and publishes an annual list that confirms children see ghosts all of the time. In parenting groups, dozens of moms and dads talk about their children's ghost encounters. A little boy who saw zillions of people walking slowly through an empty cemetery. 
A two-year-old reported grandmas in the sky with Pappy minutes after her grandmother's death. And a child's especially disturbing imagery, an imaginary friend, Susie, her father's late first wife. The phenomenon of kids seeing ghosts thrives online, but no matter how improbable or unprovable, the volume of these stories alone is enough to make scientists take note. There are admittedly lots of reports of kids seeing ghosts, says Jacqueline Woolley, a psychology professor at the University of Texas. Woolley's research dives deep into the children's evaluation and understanding of reality versus fantastical. She reveals in my tale about the girl on the stairs. That's enough to make you believe that it's a real, well, far, about a millisecond, she says. However, there are many holes in stories about ghosts, Woolley says, namely the human brain. Our minds naturally make connections between events. Whether they're connected or not, the brain pays attention to evidence that fits our theory and ignores the evidence that doesn't fit. She says for name, uh, for example, it's far more likely that a child overheard the name Susie a hundred times than the undead Susie lingers in this realm for an eternity of tea parties. Next, consider the children's fertile imaginations. If you could easily argue that Susie is not a ghost, but actually an imaginary friend. We know that between a third and two-thirds of children have imaginary companions, says Charles Fernemhai, a psychologist at Durham University, where he investigates the phenomenon of hallucinations. Not too long ago, imaginary friends were considered a precursor of mental illness. Now we know they are a positive sign of healthy child development. Now adults come to me concerned if their kids don't have one, he says. Fantasy versus reality. Development psychologists such as Jean Piaget have been fascinated by the murky line between fantasy and reality for kids, whether it's imaginary friends or dreams or, yup, ghosts. Old thinking assumed kids just couldn't differentiate between what's real and what's not, while new thinkers such as Wooly believe kids now know full well what's real, even if it looks like they can't tell the difference. Ferniho falls somewhere in the middle. I think on occasion kids do mix up imagination and reality to have something like hallucinations like experience. If you would never tell your child their imaginary friend isn't real or that they're just imagining things or even lying, you should treat an encounter with a so-called ghost the same way which presents a strange question. How would you react if your little one reports a visit from the other side? Most importantly, do not flip out. A lot of parents get worried about the imaginary companions and strange experiences. Fernahouse says, unless there's really distress, do not worry. To know whether there's a real distress, just ask the child. You want to know with the emotion, not the ghost. Wooly says, now is not the time for a grown-up lesson on imagination versus reality, because if they are scared, it doesn't matter anyway, she adds. Instead, Willie suggests, work within the fantasy, just like you might a monster under the bed. Engage with the kid as to what it looks like and what it does.
ask her if she's scared or uh, if she's scared of the ghost or if she likes it and if she's seen it before. A scary ghost can be tweaked as necessary. Maybe you can help the child pretend he's in old-timey underwear, for example, to become a friendly one. Then it's up to you as a parent to decide if you want to encourage or discourage this belief. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. As they always say, the $10 million question, and that would be why kids always claim to see ghosts. Children, they are the future. They light up our lives, but they can also be so, so creepy where they want to be. Anyone who's parented, babysat, or just hung out with a kid likely has a story about them claiming to see a ghost, if not some other insidious entity. It's always creepy when this happens, and it's hard not to wonder if the kid is really channeling something, someone long deceased or some strange spirit, or at the very least, seeing things that you can't. According to Aletta G. Engelstant, Ph.D., a child and adolescent psychiatrist at NYU Lagone, there's probably a perfectly normal of this world explanation for the seemingly creepy kids in our lives. For starters, the doctor says, kids tend to come up with spooky stories when Halloween is coming up just because they're seeing more scary things in shows they watch and stories they hear. But in general, she says, this happens because kids have a harder time discerning what's real and what isn't, more so than adults. Children are hardwired to learn through imaginative and pretend play, and therefore they can slip between reality and fantasy with much more ease than adults, Dr. Engelstein explains. There's also the matter of how kids actually process what they see. She goes on to say that our skills of perception develop throughout early childhood, so if a small child sees something out of the corner of their eye, there's a chance that they'll misinterpret the thing that they really saw, and that's where their imaginations really come into play. While an adult might dismiss something they see quickly out of the corner of their eye as nothing, or have a reality-based explanation, children might insist they saw a ghost or a fairy or some other creature. So the next time your child, nibbling or little neighbor, runs up to you with a story about the monster in their closet, there's a chance that they just saw a shadow or hanging clothes and processed those images as something strange to them. In these cases, the doctor recommends validating their concerns while helping them better understand the boundaries between reality and fantasy. In fact, explaining the reality of the situation may ultimately help decrease their fears, she says. But Dr. Engelston adds the child might be telling you the story for a particular reason. Attention is the currency of childhood, she says. If a young child states that they've seen something supernatural and gets a great deal of attention for that statement, they are much more likely to make such a statement again in the future. Maybe you're hearing about the monster in their closet right before they have to go to bed and asking you to check 
delays the bedtime, and lets them stay up much longer. If you think this is actually the case, don't dwell on the kid's ghost story for too long. Try responding with a brief, "Uh uh-oh, then ask them about something else. Dr. Angleston says, she adds that you can totally play along and perform regular monster checks if you want, but after the kids reach a certain age, you'll be better off cutting to the chase and reminding them that monsters aren't real. And of course, other explanations is that your kid really is in touch with the other side. See, I told you kids would be creepy. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. My niece, Lisa, passed away at 13 months old. She was two months older than my daughter. When my daughter was about three, we were looking through pictures and she pointed to my niece's picture and said, That's my friend, baby Lisa. She plays with me in the sandbox and she lives far, far away. This was sent to me from at J. E-A-M-A-R-914. The Man in the Hallway. This was sent to me from Melissa Gillette. My five-year-old grandson just nonchalantly asked me why the man in the hallway is watching us. For the record, I live alone. Ghostly Grandma. This was sent to me from former GOP mom. My mom died five years before my kids were born. But when they were old enough to talk... They told me how she sat on their bed at night and told them stories of me as a child and her nickname for me. Everything she said was true. Premonitions. This was sent to me from Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-Y, underscore Dr. P-H. My mother tells me that when I was four, I came into the kitchen and told her that her uncle was dead and that he had said goodbye. She was upset and told me not to say such things. Moments later, the phone rang, and the person calling told her that her uncle had just died. Aunt Peg. This was from Dr. Conway. When my son was about two, we were napping on the second floor of our small row home in Philadelphia. All of a sudden, he pointed at the window and said, Hi, Aunt Peg. A few minutes later, the phone rang, and we found out that my husband's Aunt Peg had just passed. I'll never forget it. No jumping on the bed. This was sent to me from at say underscore I underscore do. My dad passed in 1987. My daughter was born in 1993. At one and a half, she was jumping on my mom's bed. My mom and I were singing the monkey song. Then baby girl stopped, sat down on the bed. Granddaddy said no jumping on the bed. My dad never let us jump on the bed when we were kids. Gettysburg expert. From Lorraine Leon. When my son was five, we took a trip to Gettysburg. He kept correcting the tour guide. I asked him how he knew this information. He said the man in the uniform was telling him this. My son's information was correct. In fact, it was more precise 
than the tour guide's information. Imaginary friend named Eddie. This was sent to me from I am Karen at K A R E N H seven four six three. My friend told me a story of the five year old whose family moved into my childhood home. He had an imaginary friend named Eddie, who was three. I have a great uncle who died in that home, who was three at the time of his death. His name was Edward. I used to watch you and mommy. This is from Doug and Judy. My six-year-old does this often. She told my wife and I at dinner, one night I used to watch over you and mommy when you were little. Another time she told us she met her brother, who had died five years before she was born. Laughing and smiling and waving. From Lady Diane, 2017. My terminally ill husband passed away in our bedroom. About five years later, at the age of 18 months, my grandson sat on my bed. All of a sudden, he started laughing and smiling and waving to the area where the hospital bed had been. That area was empty. Grandma says bye. This is from DKB1355. My nephew was three. I walked into the room, and he was in a conversation. I asked who he was talking to. He said, Grandma. He told me very specific details and things about Grandma. He said, Grandma says bye. I said, Grandma left? He said, Grandma said you wouldn't believe I was talking to her because you're not a kid. Farmer in a past life. My nephew at age five told us he was once a farmer with three kids who lived in a town in Wisconsin. He said he missed the kids. He never forgot it. We never forgot it, but he did. The clencher, the town he named, exists. Not a common name either. This was from at I am Kane 3. Sweet Grandfather. This is from at Medic Tromasher. I was 15 when my grandfather passed. My parents were at the hospital, and I was at home asleep. I heard my grandfather call my name, and he was in my bedroom. He put the stuffed dog he wanted for me on my bed and said, See ya, my girl. Grandpa's Cologne. This is from Sabrina Zombie. Right after my oldest was born, I walked into the nursery. He and the nursery smelled like my father's cologne. My dad died 10 months before he was born. My son has smelled like that cologne after as well on many occasions. Now he wears it. He took a liking to it. Bump. This was sent to me from Katie Wells. My now adult son had multiple imaginary friends. One was named Bump. One day when I was in the shower, he shouted into the bathroom, Mommy, Bump watches you when you are in the shower. The Bulldog Knows. This was sent to me from Ava Roby. My one-and-a-half-year-old bulldog lays on my bed and will talk to my husband, who died. Bulldogs are talkers, lots of noises in his chair, and she'll pause like she's listening, and more talk. He died in 2018. 
I got her in the fall of 2019. She tosses a ball to the chair. Her other mother. This was sent to me from Sassy Kadik. My youngest one on about her other mother from age two to five. The stories she told still haunt me to this day. The last time I was there, this was sent to me from Candy DeLong. When my daughter was around three, she told me the last time I was here, I was a boy. Very calmly and dug into some French toast. 30 years later, I'm still stunned. True story. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Hey, we're back. Uh, today's episode, I was talking earlier about strange things that children have told their parents or friends or family, things they've experienced, stories that have been shared with me from people who've also had these experiences. And it, we have a lot of credit to give to shows like Psychic Kids with Chip Coffee, you know, Paranormal Kids, Unsolved Mysteries even, and in relationship to stories and tales of children who share their experiences with the paranormal and the unknown, things they've seen, they've heard, memories they've shared. And that sort of stokes my own memories. Uh, for example, from the age of about 4 to 11, every year during the week anniversary of my grandfather's death, I would see him walking the property uh, for which he and my grandmother and their offspring owned. And he looked unsettled, like he was in anguish or pain and reaching out to me. And I would tell my grandmother and she would tell me just to ignore it. He's just checking in on us. Just ignore it. He's not going to hurt you. And that sort of started my fascination with the paranormal and stories that my grandmother shared with me about her childhood and strange things that she saw and heard and her and her sister had experienced with the mountain witch or um, a ghostly encounter in the kitchen that my great aunt had when she was a teenager. Even stories my own parents have shared with me about their paranormal experiences that later in life they decided to ignore and suppress tapping into those energies, if you want to call it psychic energy, um, which they also advised me to ignore when I had experiences. But I went the exact opposite direction and embraced the signs, embraced the visions, embraced the sounds, the smells of otherworldly phenomenon. Now back to my grandfather. 
I would see him during the week of the anniversary of his death. And he would be reaching out to me or opening his mouth, but no sound would come out. I, I heard nothing. I, could, I just got a feeling that he was in need. He needed help. And I didn't start attending of church regularly until I was maybe nine or ten. And, you know, we had gone here and there, a bit of a spotty um, attendance record, but my parents decided to become members at a local church, and that's where I ended up. And the closer I got to Christ, the more intense the visions and the ability became, almost as if it was a spiritual gift. And every year during that week anniversary of my grandfather's death, after that, it became more and more clear that he was calling out and crying out for help. Now, it wouldn't be until my 20s that I was told the truth as to why and how he died. Unfortunately, he had taken his own life when I was three years old, and I was told he had just died of old age. But when the truth came out, it all made sense because it would be right before I turned 12 that I saw him again during that same time period, and it just dawned on me to pray for him, pray him through to the light, to the next level. It, it's just something that I, I would say was a God incidence instead of a coincidence. God spoke to me and said, now's your time, Neil. Help him. He's a disembodied spirit. And let's work together to get him to cross over. Because he had been in limbo, essentially. Like what the Catholic Church teaches is purgatory and calls it that. So in a sense, I like to think that I used my spiritual gift for good and helped a disembodied spirit, a lost soul. Because after that encounter and the prayer that I said, the vision stopped. I no longer saw or felt him metaphysically on the property. He had moved on. He had crossed over. And, the, you know, this doesn't work for everyone, of course. Not everyone is a Christian on this planet. I know it's a surprise. Not everyone in America is going to pray to Jesus Christ. They may pray to Muhammad. They may say prayers to Buddha or the million or more gods that the Hindus worship. But all in all, the primary factor is God the Father, God the Creator, because we've all been created by a higher power, a higher being, whether it be extraterrestrial or a celestial being. We all want to do good. Deep down inside, we all want to do good on this planet and help each other. I like to think that most of us do. So I've used that gift and ability in the past to help the lost. And like I mentioned in the beginning of this, shows like Paranormal Kids or Psychic Kids or Psychic Children, AI, it's, it's that. And movies like The Sixth Sense, Poltergeist, even The Exorcist, unfortunately, and the darker turns of the paranormal where full-on demonic possession takes place because you openly invite 
a dark entity or a demon to inhabit you. Movies and shows like that have really piqued the interest of so many, and, and it makes what I do, what I write about, what I talk about openly more socially acceptable. And the days of people branding you as a witch or laughing at you and saying, yeah, there's demons in your sock drawer or, oh, Neil saw a ghost. Now people sit up straight and take notice and they pay attention and they listen to these stories and they watch them avidly, religiously. And they follow them in Hollywood and they watch these movies. And then they themselves feel compelled to share their experiences. And that's what I do here. People send me texts, emails. They meet up with me at a convention or a festival or a book signing. God, I can't wait to start doing those again now that this pandemic is getting further and further behind us and I've been vaccinated. And they share these stories with me. And I use this podcast and my YouTube channel and my literary gifts and relay them to you, the listener, the reader, the viewer, whatever you prefer to call yourself. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Black-eyed children or black-eyed kids are a contemporary legend of supposed paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16 with pale skin and black eyes who are reportedly seen hitchhiking or panhandling or are encountered on doorsteps of residential homes. While tabloid coverage of these creatures has claimed that the tales of the black-eyed children have existed in modern lore since the 1980s, most sources indicate that the legend originated from the 1996 posting written by Texas reporter Brian Bethel on a ghost-related mailing list relating two alleged encounters with black-eyed kids. Bethel describes encountering two such children in Albadine, Texas, in 1996, and claims that a second person had a similar, unrelated encounter in Portland, Oregon. Bethel's stories have become regarded as classic examples of creepypasta and gained such popularity that he published a FAQ just to keep up with the demand for more info about the new urban legend. In 2012, Brian Bethel told his story on reality TV series Monsters and Mysteries in America. He wrote a follow-up article for the Abilene Reporter News, describing his experience and maintaining his belief that it is legitimate. In 2012, the horror film Black Eyed Kids was produced with Kickstarter funding. Its director commenting that the creepy children were an urban legend that's been floating around on the internet for years now. I always thought it was fascinating. A 2013 episode of MSN's Weekly Strange that featured reports of black-eyed children is thought to have helped spread the legend on the internet. During one week in September of 2014, the British tabloid Daily Star ran three sensationalistic front-page stories about alleged sightings of black-eyed children connected to the sale of a supposedly haunted pub in Staffordshire. The paper claimed a shock rise in sightings around the world. 
Alleged sightings are taken seriously by ghost hunters, some of whom believe black-eyed children to be extraterrestrials, vampires, or ghosts. Science writer Sharon A. Hill was unable to find any documentation of black-eyed child encounters, concluding that the tales are passed on as friends of a friend of a friend type ghost stories. Hill considers the legend to resemble typical spooky folklore stories, such as, uh, such as the phantom black dog, where the subject is not supernatural, and there, are, there may never have been an actual or, or original encounter. Snopes lists this phenomenon as being legend. Now, it's entirely up to you what the black-eyed children or the children with the sunken-in eye holes, whatever you prefer to call them, might be. Fact, fiction, legend, lore, no matter how you slice it, it's a lot of fun to discuss. Because first and foremost, it's creepy as hell. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Well, thanks, but that's it for this week. I had fun talking about creepy kids and sharing just a little bit about what I have experienced in my childhood, which really hasn't stopped well into my adulthood. So, question begs to be asked, is it all in our minds? Is it in the mind of the child? Is it a way to seek attention? A way to get more attention because they've already received attention? Is there something truly sinister and paranormal behind it? Or is it 50-50? Could be one of two things. Either what you're seeing in the corner of your eye truly is something, or there's nothing at all and it's just our imaginations running wild. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening. And if your child is experiencing the paranormal, encourage them. Don't discourage them. Discuss it. Share your stories, if you have any, with those you love. And be sure to send any questions you may have to me. I'm always here. Any stories you want to share, you can reach me at thenealparks at gmail.com. That's thenealparks at gmail.com. Happy to offer any advice, share stories, swap stories, or maybe share what you share with me. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.
Japan.